Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Hey, we're here in Long Island and I came across a great artist from Arizona. We're currently in Arizona, Ryan David Orr. I'm telling you, I listened to his music today and as I was telling Ryan, it's just absolutely beautiful. And I can't nail him down to a particular genre, which is exactly what I love, because there's so much depth in his music and in his art. So let's get right to it. Let's check out his song, Juvenile, and we'll meet David right after the song. Hang with us. They don't know why I dress like that. They don't know why I cry at every great Rocky film. Mother said, there's too much killing now I wish that I could go back to A time when all of their lips were moving And I didn't understand the words Everything they say seems meaningful And Savannah is always beautiful Whenever she says she fell in love again Something innocent and true Centuries of fairy tales There's not a single one for you They don't know why I talk like that They don't know why I tear my hair out Over online conversations With these fatal words And tired of defending I resign to disappear No Savannah, I'm not angry I'm just trying to be heard You might say that you couldn't see How it mattered all that much to me You might call it juvenile I took it all too hard You can forget my face forget my name I'm never gonna use them anyway If I don't reach the edge by morning And fall right off into your arms And I can't promise I'll be back at all Such a cynical American crowd They all get loud about the walls they're building And they flaunt it like Avalon But the magic's gone And nobody remembers why To you who are about to die We wish you strength in the face of failure Will you teach us to be free And how to laugh out loud To not live tragically You knew there'd be days like these You told me once All things break in two Yes, even all the good ones do Even all the good, even ones, all the good do. ones do You might say that you couldn't see 
When I read Ryan David Orr's background, I was really amazed by the fact that his parents, one, I believe his dad was a visual artist and his mother a singer-songwriter, and it looks like the gene pool came right down into Ryan's wheelhouse because it seems as though, and I'm jealous, I'm telling you, he's got the best of both worlds. And with that, I want to welcome Ryan David Orr to the Long Island Sound Podcast. Good to have you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. And thank you for being my guinea pig uh, as I try out Riverside. Sure. Yeah. It's so good to have you here. What I find fascinating about just getting the tip of the iceberg of your music is that it, it crosses many genres and you have many influences. Almost, We'll go over that, but uh, too few to, to name all in one podcast, I think. But the feel I've got from Juvenile was that world sound uh, to it, uh, particularly in the percussion. It's just yeah. just a really beautiful song. So I yeah. got to stop yapping. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> so you're originally uh, from uh, Oregon, Ashland, Oregon. You went down south, mm -hmm. um, outside, I guess, the Nashville area in North Carolina. Yep. And... Uh, eventually back to Oregon and then settled in Arizona. So where are we reaching you in Arizona today? Yeah, so uh, I live in northeastern Arizona, so it's up in the mountains. It's not the, the Arizona that most people think of when they think of Arizona. It's not desert. Um, it's We actually, it's we have probably six or eight inches of snow outside. It's about 29 degrees <laughs> where I'm at. So um, yeah, it's uh, northeastern part of the state, kind of close to kind of close to New Mexico, but yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. My daughter was in uh, the other part of the state, Tucson, yeah. uh, for two years and uh, the heat kind of got to her. So she came back East to New York where, by the way, New York is the center of the world, particularly yeah. Brooklyn these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yep. Uh, yeah. Just kind, kind of amazing what's happened uh, with music. So what I found, tell me about your early experience with um, music finding you, and um, how did it come about, really? Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, my mother was a singer-songwriter, and so there were kind of always like instruments around, guitars around. She was always playing stuff. Um, there were always like musicians at the house rehearsing for things. Um, wow. So it was always just kind of around. Um, I started playing violin when I was about seven years old. Um, and that was more like my mom got me into that, not necessarily to try to like make me a musician, but more to mm -hmm. um, 
just say, you know, as like a supplement to academics and stuff. And so I played violin for a number of years. And then I started getting really into um, like classic rock and grunge rock and just rock and roll. And when that happened, I started getting more interested in like guitar and bass and things like that, you know, rock band instruments. And um, so, you know, it took a while before I really figured I could I could make it. <laughs> I could make music or create it. Right. Um, and so I, you know, but when it you, when you say slow. when you sorry to interrupt you, when you say a while, uh, what do you mean? Uh, in your teens, did it kind of strike you that hey, I can start writing songs and I need to express myself? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I was probably fourteen when I tried writing my first song. It took a while before I, I wrote anything I liked. That was for right. You know, that was for sure. Um, you know, I wrote a lot of songs that I'll, I don't even remember now that were crap. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, it took a while before I kind of got the, it had my own voice, you know, and it didn't just feel sort of um, affected or uh, derivative of other things that were happening. So. Right. What's interesting is, uh, this is just me, uh, I find the violin to be one of the most challenging string instruments out there. Yeah. And the fact that uh, mom had the smarts to try, try, try and have you tackle, uh, you know, a fretless instrument and right. get that muscle memory. And and I, I, tell me if this is true. Um, from a knucklehead who didn't woodshed his instrument properly, that's why there's a little bit of dust, which you can't see on the guitars behind me, is um, I would assume that it really trains your ear very early with the violin to find the notes. And how did, how did you find that as, as learning, learning the instrument early on? Yeah, I think that that probably is, is true. Um, I, I also was singing in choir at the time also kind of grew up doing both of those things. And so that was another area where, um, you know, where finding the note is very relevant in real time, you know, like choir, you know, finding it physically. And then sure. um, as far as, you know, I have heard people say that violin is like the most challenging instrument to learn to play or in the world or something like that. I don't, I don't know how they quantify that necessarily, but, um, but yeah, I think that it, it definitely trains, it trains your ear, but it also, um, I think that was my time of really learning music theory, you know, like when I, okay you know, was reading sheets and like reading charts and stuff like that. When I write now, I don't, I don't go as technical as, as that, <laughs> but I think it was a good foundation. Cause if you start off with that kind of foundation, then you sort of think in those terms and, and, you know, when you're, when you're finding notes or you're looking for note relationships and things like that, it does sort of lay a foundation for, for that, you know, approach right. to the craft. I, it, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, particularly, you know, as, as I'm looking at, at your background and your music and for the length of time that you've been studying music and playing music and producing music, your brain gets, in my opinion, you get wired that way. Um, you know, I have a, I have a daughter, Faith, who did the introduction and she's into puns so amazingly. And we, we kind of pun around at home a lot uh, and you find yourself moving in these directions. It's the weirdest thing, but... I find a lot of musicians think and think musically, yeah. think lyrically, think um, poetically, right. and uh, you know you can't help yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. So, and, and you, I'm sure you've been asked this question about how the muse strikes you and 
what's what's your method i mean are you the type of artist who on a whim writes something down records something or, or do you sit sit down at a table and say i'm going to write a song right now or maybe it's both i don't know you tell me yeah it kind of depends on the song um it kind of depends on what i'm inspired to do it at the moment i think a lot of times what'll happen is i get a an idea a snippet of something like a, a lyric or a melody sometimes a rhythm um and i'll i'll like write it down or i'll record it like on my phone little voice recorder you know something like that where it's just to capture the idea and then i'll mm-hmm. kind of like leave it for a while and then come back to it. And then when I come back to it, I'll do more of the like, okay, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write a song, but I'm going to use this as a seed. You know, I'm going to, this is, this is where I'm starting is this idea. And, and at that point I'll probably have kind of an idea at least for, um, for like the vibe of the song to, you know, is this going to be a fast, slow, big, is it going to be intimate? Is it going to be, you know, lots of production? Is it going to be very minimal? things like that. And so then I approach the writing, um, lyrics are most often the last thing that happens, um, as far as like really finishing the lyrics, solidifying the lyrics, that's usually gotcha. the last thing. Now, do you ever start with a title or, is, or since the lyrics are the last thing is the title, the last thing as well? Uh, that's sort of circumstantial, I guess, um, for, well, okay. for like the song, uh, too hip for heaven, which is another one that we're listening to, uh, here is that one, that line too hip for heaven that came as part of how I conceived the song. And that was just kind of a random occurrence. I'm, you know, like walking through a parking lot and there was a guy on his phone walking the other way, almost ran right into me. And I sort of under my breath was like, oh, too cool for school, too hip for heaven. (laughs) And and so that stuck as the lyric that I started with to write the song. And then it just kind of became the title. Like I didn't intend for it to necessarily be the title at first. It's just kind of that made sense as the title, you know. Right. Now, when you come out with a song that you've completed the song, you've you've got the seeds of a title. Now I assume you got to research it. So it's not uh, like any other title that's out there to some degree, or that doesn't really matter. Not really. I don't really think about as far as um, song titles go. I don't really think about that. I think about that more in terms of like, like band names or things like that. But um, as far as song titles go, I don't really think about it too much. There's usually, you know, if it's a common phrase or word, there's probably several songs out there with that title, you know, which is kind of gotcha, gotcha. how it happens. So my my assumption would be that um, do you approach song songwriting pretty much as a solo artist, uh, crafting both the lyrics and the music, and then you bring it to the studio and bring your um, band or or other instrumentalists in on it. Is that how you how you approach yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That most often is is how I do it. I have had other like side projects, other bands that I was in where there was more collaboration in the writing process. Um, I think musically, I think I work well with others better than lyrically. <laughs> so like, I okay. think it's easier to get together with people and create um, a music, create a song, create a music scape or soundscape or whatever, and feel like we can really collaborate on that with lyrics. They're so personal and they're so specific. Usually when I write about stuff that, um, I, I don't know that I, I just don't even really try to write a lot of lyrics with other people and, and it might work fine or whatever, but I think I connect with it a little differently, you know, like writing poetry or something like that. 
Gotcha. So let's let's talk about the song that we heard coming into the program, mm-hmm. Juvenile. Um, uh, like I said earlier, it had this world feel uh, to me. Um, I never ask an artist to explain the song per se, but maybe you could tell me how the germ of an idea of how that muse hit you and you developed it into Juvenile. Yeah. Um, so I actually did a demo, recorded a demo for it by myself in my studio where I played drums and I, I did a bunch of other layers and stuff like that. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a great drummer. I can keep a beat, but I can't do anything intricate, you know. And, and so when I was trying it, I kept trying to do these sort of like flams, these little brah rolls. And, and so that's kind of how the idea went down in the beginning, as far as like getting tracked. (laughs) But then when I played the demo for my drummer, the guy that I actually had come and played drums, um, he kind of took it and interpreted that the way that those drums are played. And so, um, I, a big part of this song for me was the drums. Like that Mm. felt like a really big part of this, um, creation and so it was very specific how we set up the drums, like dropping the snare off of the snare and um, really focusing on the toms so that it does feel kind of, um, like you say, like it has a world sound. It feels more like percussion as opposed to drums, you know. And so that was kind right. of the, it's, it, the backbone for that. Yeah, that's interesting how, how that structure came about. I just, I just had a, uh, a drummer producer percussionist named Chris Marshak on. And, uh, you know, he talked about silence and reductionism uh, in, in bringing things down. And uh, a lot of his, he's played a lot of different genres, um, but used brushes. Yeah. Uh, and the brushes had just a great sound for the particular song uh, that we, we played of his that was, you know, really kind of a cool attack on things. And sometimes you can approach production with throwing a lot into the stew, so to speak, and... Right. Uh, now you got to pull the carrots out and the, uh, the potatoes, and maybe we'll just stick with the rice instead, you know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so you so we alluded to your background. So you, you went to school for for literature, if I recall, and so you have. Um, yeah. So I uh, I teach college English. I've um, I studied English, uh, and I also studied film for undergrad. Um, so those okay. are my two main main focus. When I was in so you made mom college. and dad happy with your career choices, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I wish I did that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let, let's talk about the song that we're going to hear that you spoke about, Too Hip for Heaven. Mm-hmm. Just give me a little snippet of how that muse uh, came together, and then we'll, we'll play it for our audience. Yeah, so um, like I was mentioning, I sort of had this random uh, you know interaction with a person in a parking lot, and that just kind of got the, the line, Too Hip for Heaven, in my head. And I started thinking about um, one of the jobs that I had before was as an academic advisor in a college here. And a lot of times we see students who might have the best of intentions and get scholarships and things like that, um, that blow the opportunity or throw it away Mm. or that kind of thing. Um, and it's a very small, uh, very tight knit community. And I think that has a lot to do with it sometimes and people's decisions and stuff. And so I started thinking about that and just thinking about, um, you know, the, the idea of this person sort of trapped, not, not, physically trapped, (laughs) but trapped kind of by their own understanding of reality or trapped by their own, um, interaction with their world. 
And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just kind of one of those things where it's somebody more or less trying to escape or wanting to escape and not knowing how and how to kind of find that, that sense of freedom and, um, forge their own path or something like that. Wonderful. All right. You've given us a good foundation and a lot. See, I didn't know you were such a big brain guy. I'm so intimidated now. (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, uh, hey, everybody, let's listen to Too Hip for Heaven right now. And we'll be right back with Ryan David after the song. Check it out.
Hey, hey man, that's a beautiful song. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, as I listen to songs now, and I, it's 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 very interesting listening to your song or listening while an artist is is listening along with me. And um, uh, as you probably recognize, I've uh, my music base was really in the '70s, and what really struck me about the song. Um, vocally was uh, like a Cat Stevens vibe to it. That's um, cool. And uh, it, which is a, a big compliment uh, <laughs> uh, to you, you know. And uh, uh, now I'm talking to a guy who is, uh, you know, grew up on grunge in, in Oregon. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of grew up on Cat Stevens, though, too. I, that was, he was big in my, my upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. So, of, you say in your bio there's like too too many influences to um to list but if if you could give me your uh top three uh influences in the voice that you have today for music what would what would it be what would they be um i i think i i am forever stuck with the influence of pearl jam <laughs> I think all right they, I think all right brother yeah i think they are one of my all-time biggest influences um and you know vocally musically all that <laughs> um i think radiohead is probably another one that i keep going back to um and i don't know maybe uh you know, one of my my favorite classic rock bands, one of from when I was, you know, was classic rock when I was growing up was uh, mm-hmm. was Cream. They were oh wow, they were always one of my favorites. I just loved, um, I loved the guitar lines, I loved the drum lines, I loved the harmonies. You know, yeah, and it was nice that Eric got the guys back together. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, before uh, the demise. Right. So. Um, <laughs> That's kind of cool. Let me ask you something out of left field. What's the last full album that you've listened to? Do you recall? The last full album I listened to is um, called Nixon Grazes by a band called Palm. Okay. Um, I actually just went to see them a couple weeks ago in Phoenix. um, And a friend of mine kind of turned me on to the the band and this new album. And so I listened to it a bunch before going to see the band. And it's really technical very intricate what they you know you'd call math rock um but it's it's very melodic and so really bizarre time signatures really interesting textures that kind of thing nice so they're called nixon grazes well, well the the name of the album is nixon grazes and then the, okay. the band is called palm yeah they're from palm. philadelphia okay the re- I think. Okay, the reason I ask is because I uh, put chapter marks in, which are going to have links to your music on Spotify and cool. your bio, and other people that you know we may mention always like to um, you know throw some kudos out to them, and sure. maybe that's something somebody else would would get into and, yeah. and uh, ap- appreciate, you know, because uh, music heals the world as far as I'm concerned, yeah. no matter what the music is, yeah. you know, so. Um, that's cool. I was a little worried asking that question because I was afraid you were going to say, nah, I've never listened to a full album. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> never, ever. No, I've listened to lots well, of full albums. Um, I, it's it, probably less recently than I And actually, that might not even be the last one that I listened to. It, it actually was probably 
something I listened to in my living room just a few days ago. Actually, over the holidays, we listened to a bunch of... My wife and I, the only thing we play in the house is vinyl, vinyl records. So we have stacks of them everywhere, and we're just constantly... Then we're always listening to full albums, you know? (laughs) It's not like a Spotify playlist or something. Um, So it was probably something more along the lines of, like, maybe the Brandenburg Concertos or... Yeah, that was probably the last album I listened to. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's neat. You know, it's interesting. What's uh, So you also produce music mm-hmm. as well, and you work with other people and, and help put things together. And what I found pretty, you know, kind of jumping off the full album thing, I found it kind of interesting that there's a big push, and maybe it's been around for a while, and I just didn't really zone in on it, uh, you know, to put out EPs, to put out, you know, three songs here, a song there. Yeah. Uh, what's your what's your take on that approach, and uh, is that something that that you do with the artists that you work with? Um, yeah, I th- I think it's a good idea nowadays. It's funny we've kind of come almost full circle from you know how music would have kind of been released like in the fifties or something, where you know you got a single and you release a single, and then um, you promote that, and maybe there's a B side or there's a couple extra songs that go along with it. But it's like you know you you build up the momentum for the single. And then we've kind of come back around to that now where, you know, people don't really release a lot of full albums or at least the full albums aren't getting the the airplay or the, you know, the spins that the single did or the couple singles did. Um, And so I think in that sense, an EP is great because it's you can focus on quality versus quantity. You know, you can maybe maybe. 15 songs isn't that great of an album maybe 10 songs is a pretty good album whereas the five hottest tracks off that album are maybe like an incredible five songs you know gotcha Um, gotcha so i think there's merit to it and i think it's also as far as modern music distribution spotify apple music all that stuff is concerned it makes sense you know you can you can put a single out there and make a big deal out of that single it can get on playlists it can you know this is kind of how people consume music now um and so I, I definitely think there's it's a good idea. It can be a really good idea. I'm currently um, in the just starting to uh, work on an EP with a, a, a producer in Nashville um, named Ken. He's uh, he was the drummer for Wilco, and oh, um, okay. he's a, a producer has a studio. He's pretty well known. Got a great track record. I'm I'm excited about this what, process. What's his, uh, Ken, what's his name? Ken Coomer. Ken Coomer? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I listened to Wilco and Uncle Tupelo for years, and he drummed for, you know, so I was listening to him a long time before we started talking about this project. Um, and he suggested doing an EP. Uh, he suggested, you know, like, if you're going to do a full album, still keep that small. Keep it to, like, eight songs. But if you're going to, mm. you know, an EP is perfect. Like, five or six songs, that's a good, <laughs> a good solid amount. So I, I've kind of been looking at that as... Um, what a lot of artists are doing now anyway, you know, the, sure. the sort of... Yeah, I, I think they keep their, their audience engaged. Uh, it's more economical, obviously, mm-hmm. to do that and that focus in. And then it's, you know, I asked you a loaded question about, you know, what full album did you listen to? Because I was curious about that because I don't know if everyone has the attention or the time, because right. we were in a busy world, yeah. To I wish I did, to sit <laughs> down and just listen to, you know, like when I was a kid. I sure. mean... We played it till the needle wore out, right. you know. Uh, sure. And for those who don't know, the 
record vinyl is played with a needle and uh there are two sides to the album just to, to educate it. some of the younger <laughs> you gotta flip it over right yeah that's actually My why techniques. i like it as a as a medium because it's so much more intimate you have to you can't just like push play and then forget that it's on and walk away and leave you know you got to kind of like set it up on the turntable you got to place the needle you got to flip it halfway through you got you know you got to be there and kind of like nurture it through the process I kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, and that's what that's what's neat about artists like you know Jack White coming out with vinyl and and you know doing the, the you know the CD the vinyl and you know Spotify because let's let's yeah. let's face it um, most artists are not going to make money uh, or income off Spotify. I hate to say it, right? You know, uh, and, unless you're in the millions and millions of downloads to do so. Right. So what do you got to do? Is you got to go out there and gig and and and, and sell merch, which, yeah. which is I, I find kind of interesting. Yeah. So do you still do you still go out and, and play locally gigs uh, on your own or band? What what's your setup when you go out? Yeah, um, both. I I play a lot of um, solo acoustic shows, and then I play. Um, I'd say probably 10 or 15 full band shows a year, something like that. Um, I focus more on um, promoting my solo stuff. I've, I've done other projects with bands, and so there are kind of bigger rock and roll sounds that I've got with some projects, and we'll play that stuff live. Um, but I, I think more recently, I've, I've focused a lot more on the solo the solo acoustic show. I really kind of like that vibe and the intimate, you know, um, nature of that and focus on the song and songwriting and stuff. So yeah, I still do play, um, a number of shows a year and, and sell merch, sell vinyl, sell CDs, <laughs> all that stuff. So, yeah. Excellent. Hey, listen, let's just take a quick, uh, break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of your, uh, other endeavors. Okay. So hang out with us, everybody. We'll be right back. At the Long Island Sound, we're much more than a podcast. We're building a community. Please go to gigdestiny.com, check out all our social media links, subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, please comment, call the listener line, tell us what you think, what questions we should ask, who we should have on the show, and most of all, we thank you for your generous support, and remember, support the artists who are guests on the show. Now back to the podcast. Hey everybody, we're back with Ryan David Orr. Uh, uh, Ryan, so, so great to have you here. And I have a confession to make. You know, I'm reading where you've lived. You're out in nature. You're with the chickens and you're in these beautiful areas. And I'm like, son of a gun. I bet he never, you know, never hit any traffic, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. but, 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 what? Yeah, yeah, I know. I got to uh, yeah, go out west <laughs> for sure, especially here on Long Island. We have taxes and traffic uh, and they're both uh, horrible. Anyway, um, so much about me. But so what's interesting is that you've got the left brain, right brain thing going for you. You've got the visual arts and you've got the music. Tell me about the visual arts aspect and the projects you've worked on, because uh, I'm really interested in, in what you do and how you balance it, really. Yeah. Um, so I've always been fascinated by my my dad was a photographer and, and painter Um but I was always sort of fascinated by photography and by um, the the frame and film. And so when I was – one of the things I used to do with him when I was growing up is go on wow. like photo shoots, go around town and, and do photo shoots and stuff like that. And he, he bought me my first like digital camera years ago. And um, 
so I really got into photography and film and videography um, as I kind of, it kind of as a parallel to music. Mm -hmm. It just kind of made sense. Um, when I did my undergrad degree, I studied film and media studies. And the, the intention behind that was that I wanted to make music videos. So I would be writing these songs and producing the songs. And I kept having these sort of ideas for, for um, the videos that would go with them. And so that's been largely what I've focused on over the years has been um, oftentimes writing or storyboarding the video and then getting actors together and, and doing like, you know, film productions for them. And, um, and I just a few years ago started like submitting to film festivals and things like that with, um, with, with videos. And so this last one that I did, we released the video, I want to say it was like September, October, 2022. And we submitted to a bunch of film festivals. And so we're, we're starting to get some of that, um, that yeah. spin, that play. Um, it was just accepted to, uh, or it, it won best music video at like Switzerland international music, uh, film festival. And it was accepted as some other pretty cool film festivals, kind of international spots. And it's a, a video for the song. The song is called Mr. Anderson. It's from um, my latest album, New Imperials, which is also where these songs okay. that we're listening to are from. And so uh, it was it was a process of writing the, the story, storyboarding it, getting the actors together, getting locations together, going out and um, and just trying to capture all the, the footage and then editing it all so so film and photography are kind of my main visual arts aside from what, music what i find interesting about that if i look at how i judge a good song or a good singer songwriter is they're helping me create the vision in my mind when i listen to the song they have no control of that but yeah. if they're good with their words and, and the setup and stuff like that it can bring me to another place now it seems the reciprocal of that is you're storyboarding a song so you know are are you work here's a question for you are you working with the artist to get their vision of what the song is or are you relying more on what your take and your vision of the song is to put that video together well i mostly focus on doing my own music oh uh, okay all right we'll throw that question out the window <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little different than interpreting other people's stuff. Okay, um, but it, it does. It, it is still kind of a, um, a process of, uh, well, like you're saying, getting sort of inspired to see these things in your own head. Right. <laughs> so it's like instead of of taking somebody else's external, um, you know, input, it's it's sort of my own sitting with the song for a long time and then envisioning how this sort of narrative plays out or how that looks in imagery or whatever. Yeah, I can almost equate it to, you know, my dad telling me stories about the family gathering around the radio pre-television and how <laughs> enjoyable it was in a shared experience with different pictures in each person's mind of what's going yeah. on and how like the letdown of, can you believe this, the letdown of TV or, you know, they were amazed by TV, but then you're, you're <laughs> right. given an image, you know, how many people, how many yeah. people, you're, you're, you're a literature professor. How many times do you read a book that becomes a movie and the images in the movie are disappointing to what's in your mind, right? Am I wrong? Right. Sure. You know, 
Uh, no, absolutely. That's that's definitely the case. Yeah, everybody has that their own little sort of subjective idea of what what this thing looks like, <laughs> whatever it is. All right. you so know, they take that. So you're a control freak because you you do video. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. So, exactly. See now now we're yeah. getting into this is what it's this about. is what it's this about. This is what it looks like. You got on the Steve Yusko yeah. <laughs> couch on the Long Island Sound. So if you thought this was a a podcast about music, no, this is about the psyche. This is about imagery. Yeah. This is about your childhood. We're going to go back, okay? And you've, you've had a very disturbing childhood. All that music forced upon you, all those instruments, yeah. your mother torturing you, play that violin, practice. Uh, yeah, vicious. Yeah, as, oh, as, I, terrible as I said, my father played the radio, and, and he played it well. Uh, yeah. I did have a piano, though. Yeah, well, that's... I had a piano. Yeah. In the TV room, which yeah. is a big mistake, you know. Anywho. <laughs> hey, let's – um. so what, you, what you've got coming up as far as, uh, uh, you know, festivals, gigs, that sort of thing? Is it really hit in the late spring for you or, or you know, how does how do you approach it? Yeah, I'd say spring, spring it started – gets underway. Um, I think the first thing I have on the books as far as performance goes is like mid-March or something. Um I'll be playing a lot uh, around the mountain here. Um, we're kind of isolated, kind of remote. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a place where you accidentally drive through or happen to drive through um, about three hours northeast of Phoenix. And so I'll play some shows down there, but it's a little bit of a hike just to to travel down there. And then I'll, I'll get out of the state sometimes this year, a few times probably and play like maybe up in Oregon, probably try to play in Tennessee, do some stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'd say March through September, October is usually the good season. All right, so you've you've played, I guess, around Nashville. Have you ever played uh, east, like in New York or or on the East Coast at all? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I used to live in Nyack, New York. Oh yeah, so just Rosie O'Donnell lives in Nyack. Yeah. If yeah. they haven't tossed her out, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's still there, I think. <laughs> right across, right yeah. across uh, what used to be the Tappan Zee Bridge. And they uh, call it the Mario yeah. Cuomo Bridge. I still call it the Tappan Zee Bridge. I'm just saying. Cause... <laughs> yeah, I, I would probably have to if I was there. It's just what I, <laughs> how I know it. But uh, yeah, I lived there for a couple of years. And so I played, um, I played around there a little bit. I played um, a few shows here and there, like in Brooklyn and in the city nice. and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I did. Um, I have played some. Well, you know what? I knew if we we talked long enough, you would have some sort of New York connection, so I can just. Uh, my, yeah. <laughs> my wife goes to me. She says, you, you mostly focus on guys, uh, you know, from the area. And yeah, I said, yeah, I've gone out. You know, I said I'm broadening my perspective. So now that we found it, I feel justified. So, you know, yeah, it's, sure. it's yeah. Ryan. It's, it's not about you. It's how you make me feel. And you know, the fact <laughs> we did not discuss Nyack before the show, and yeah. You know, if anybody busts my balls, I could say, "Hey, he's got, he's got a new." And he actually yeah. said Brooklyn, and he pronounced it right. So, it's... <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, let's talk about. Uh, give me some of the muse and the development of for her wedding day, and then we'll we'll have a listen to that. Sure. Well, so like as the title would imply, um, this was actually a song that I wrote um, inspired by my wife. Like I, I just got married a couple years Congratulations. ago. Congratulations and. Thank you. Um, when I was kind of writing this song, there was just a bunch of sort of a menagerie of images from our whole 
time being together before we were married and these experiences, these shared experiences that we had and stuff like that. And so, um, it's, it's, it's a love song and it's a a wedding love song, but it's also very much a a kind of intimate personal discussion about these shared experiences. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. (laughs) All right. Let's listen to for her wedding day. We'll be right back after the song. Check it out. Everyone.
That was absolutely beautiful. Thanks for uh, thank you. Thanks for sharing your art with us. That's from the new album, New Imperials, by uh, Ryan David Orr. And uh, and I I, t- I spoke to you about this before the show. I really am enamored by singer songwriters because you guys really bear your souls uh, in an artistic <laughs> way in many degrees and. You're able to say uh, things that uh, us regular humans have difficulty expressing sometimes. And I think that's why we like music, uh, because it goes down into our souls and helps us uh, uh, bring up the emotions and maybe remind us, you know, reminds me to go talk to my wife and tell how tell her how beautiful she's not only on the outside, <laughs> but on the inside as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for that. Uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, it, absolutely. It was really great is there anything that we've missed that we should cover um before we say our our so longs till the next time um i don't think so um i mean the the new album is you know people can check it out at ryandavidor.com um it is available on 180 gram 12 inch vinyl <laughs> and yeah, but that's, uh, you know, over this next year, I'll be uh, releasing some more singles and EP and some stuff like that. And so Great. lots more music to come. Wonderful. Well, let's stay in touch. And if you make it to uh, the East Coast, please look me up. I'd love to uh, yeah. uh, have a cocktail or a coffee or, you know, coffee's probably yeah. better out West. But uh, anyway, I, I say <laughs> this often in uh, many times, we can account for what we have in the bank can never account for the time we have left and i really appreciate the time you've given me absolutely my pleasure thank you thank you for joining us today i appreciate the time you spent with us please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com till next time be generous with your joy keep your spirits high and let the music take you on a journey be well peace peace